for the second Sunday after the Epiphany is recorded in First Samuel. The young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling at, as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. This is the word of God. The epistle is recorded in the sixth chapter of the first letter to the Corinthians. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Then shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. A sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel is written in the first chapter of St. John. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law, and also the prophets, wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. 
And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God in the Gospel is the primary basis of my sermon, noting particularly verse 46, where Nathaniel says to Philip, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And then verse 47, where Philip responds, Come and see. This is the word of God. You're redeemed in Christ. Oftentimes, the accounts we hear in the scriptures give us a lot of details about what, what is happening and why it is happening. From our Old Testament reading, we heard of God's call to Samuel. There are lots of details there. Details of how Samuel didn't understand, but rather thought it was Eli calling him. And also details of how Eli realized that God was calling young Samuel. And other times, there are, the in the accounts, give us very few details. That we heard of, in a sense, in the account of Jesus calling Philip from the Holy Gospel. We get no details there, really. We're simply told that Jesus found Philip and said, follow me. And Philip did follow Jesus. But was it really that easy? We do know that first Philip went to get his friend Nathaniel. About him we have some details given. We know of his skepticism about Nazareth and if, in his experience, anything good could come from there. We then hear of his confession when he finds out that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, is more than just your typical Nazarene wanderer. He says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. That's a very quick and substantial turnaround for Nathaniel, wouldn't you agree? So sometimes we know the details, and sometimes we do not. And sometimes the details that we are given surprise us. Because God has ways of doing things that surprise us, doing or revealing things that don't always fit with how we think. And that's a good message for us to hear today and always. Because like Samuel, Philip, and Nathaniel, Jesus has called you and me to follow him. In fact, he wants all people to follow him, to receive salvation by faith in him. But that does not mean that following him is going to be easy. Sometimes we don't understand how he is calling us or where he is leading us to go. Sometimes for us, the details are lacking, or the way before us will be surprising, or it may be that it will be cause for us to ask, that way really, O Lord, can anything good come out of that way? I think this is true of our life, and especially our Christian life. When an unexpected event happens in our lives, a pregnancy, a sickness, maybe a grave and serious illness, the loss of a child or grandchild, the sudden death of a loved one or a dear friend, can also be the loss of a job or the inability to work, and therein the loss of income and the challenges that come with that. It can just be plain old aging, 
where we cannot do near what we used to be able to do, or when we do it, we are worn out having done it. And there are more issues too. How to care for an aging parent, what is best for them, best for us. It's easy when these things happen to us or those we love to cry, in a sense, like Nathaniel. Can anything good come out of this? And since in asking the question, we therein imply that the answer is no, because this is not what we want, what we expect, or what we think could possibly be good in any way, that we look not just for an answer, but more so for a way out, for an end to the challenge or the difficulty, and in a sense, an end to a part of life, or in fact, to life itself. That's not the way the account of Nathaniel turns out, though the answer to his implied question was, no, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. The Lord Jesus, he surprises him. Jesus saw Nathaniel before he ever saw Jesus. Jesus had come to do something that Nathaniel believed and hoped for, but had no idea was happening especially now, and had no idea was or could be happening in this way, happening through a man from Nazareth. That was just the beginning, mind you. Nathaniel, as he followed Jesus over the course of the next three years, would indeed see things that would surprise him and astonish him, and most especially that happened that day outside Jerusalem at a cross. Oh, that day, all the people must have been asking, can anything good come out of this? And the implied answer for many, or most of them, was no. Nothing good can come out of this. But as we know, and as the disciples would soon know, incredible good did come from that cross. For death was not the victor. Death did not hold Christ in the grave. That surprise that Nathaniel received later that night was when he was with nine other disciples behind those locked doors because they were sure nothing good was coming out of this at all because they feared the bad that they fully expected was yet to come, that the Jews would be coming for them next. Yet they didn't get death. They got an even greater life when a living, risen, flesh and blood Jesus of Nazareth comes right through the locked doors, and he says, Peace be with you. And so Jesus was right. Nathaniel did see greater things. My friends, God has a way of doing things that do not always fit with how we think. And so if there is a part of our life that we have an issue with, it is not our life that needs to die, but it is our weak and sinful view of our life that needs to die. To be drowned daily in the water, a word of holy baptism, that a new man living a new life would arise to live. For really, those issues of our lives are not the thing, but our sin is the thing. Our sin which doubts that anything good can ever come out of any situation we face. The issues we have out of this life, and that because very often our life does not go according to our plans, the desires we have, or according to what we think God should do for us 
what he should give to us, our sin that doesn't want to be inconvenienced or have to go out of our way, our sin that fears the unknown and often actually mistrusts God, his mercy and his goodness, our sin which loves, loves ourselves more than we love others and more than we love God, and especially more than we love God. And all of that, of all of that, we need repent. To have the truth of God's word drawn, draw us to realize those sins and have our faith turn us around by the work of the Holy Spirit and the word. Because it's easy, yes, it is far, far too easy to simply object to the issues we have. Easy to not acknowledge the truth that we have those issues because of sin, because we live in a world of sin, that we have the sin of Adam and the sins that we all commit, the sins we do not admit to and the sins we continue to live in. Sin has caused all of the issues in life that we face. The loss, the death, the hardships, the suffering, the pain, the doubt, and the questioning of God. As we ask if anything good could ever come out of any of this. But just like Nathaniel, God has a wonderful surprise for us, too. He does for you. It is that empty tomb. The empty tomb that preaches a better word than I ever will or ever could preach. A word to us that God, who can work good even through the horror of the cross, can certainly work good through the crosses he places upon us as well. The crosses that give us, that he gives us to bear. Because that is precisely what they are for. They are for our good. God uses those crosses to draw us closer to himself. He uses those crosses to humble us. God is not against you. He's for you more than you would know. He's for you even in ways that are surprising, and unexpected, ways that may turn your life upside down. Because just like Nathaniel, God saw you before you saw him. He sees you now before you can see him. And he has plans for you, plans for to give you a hope and a future, a future that is eternal life with him. For you will be with Christ in heaven, and that by faith. So the Father sent his Son to be the life of the world, to be the light of the world. Sent him to pay the price for all those sins, and to strip death of its power. And so in our day, when we look to death as the answer to some issues of life, that's like trying to light a dark room by holding up your thumb as if it were a lighter. And as silly as that sounds, our world just keeps on doing that. Sometimes we keep doing that, relying on something within us. And then we wonder why the world and our life is still at times so dark. There's a much, much better answer. Paul provides it in the epistle for this day, as we heard earlier. You were bought with a price. You, my friends, were bought from sin bought from death, bought with the life and the blood of Jesus. That's just how valuable you are to God, how valuable life is. 
Sometimes we hear that verse is law. And the end of the verse, so glorify God with your body, makes it sound even more like law. You were bought, therefore you must live up to this. But that statement is pure gospel in this way. You were bought with a price so very high, even bought before you were born, before you could do a thing to be worth anything. Because the Father considered you, yes, you, worthy of the life of his own son. So Paul says, you now glorify God in believing that and in confessing that, and yes, in living that, living the very life that God has given you, even, yes, even under the life crosses that God has given and gives to you. The amazing and unexpected thing is that God, who had an issue with us, and our life, our sins, gave the life of his son to pay for those sins to save us, to give us a new life. God has come and he has called you. Follow me. Sometimes the why and where is not known to us. Sometimes how he leads is a mystery to us. And that's precisely where trust and where faith comes in. That life, that light, that Jesus from Nazareth has come here for you, for me. And he says, I forgive you all your sins. He says, take, eat, take, drink. This is my body. This is my blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. We confess with Nathaniel, how can anything good come from this? Philip encouraged Nathaniel, come and see. And Nathaniel's life and the issues he faced in his life were never, ever the same. For just as Nathaniel, so it is for you. You were bought with a price. His life for yours. And now you have life. And that not just for this world, but life everlasting. Life that's surprising, maybe unexpected. But life that is good, oh yes, life that is good, and that for the sake and because of the merit of Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.